Welcome to the Penny and Pops podcast. He's Spencer Penny Strode. I'm Adam Pops Papa Giorgio. We're about to hop into the month of June. We haven't had NBA games since the second week of March. COVID-19 is still around. It's still going to be around. And so the NBA's decided that they're going to come back in July or August. And they're going to do it all at one single site. Disney World. Right here in our backyard of Orlando, Florida. It's going to be a little surreal to see this NBA campus slash village slash bubble in motion once they once they get it going. But there's a lot of ideas up in the air still. Nothing's been finalized. Hopefully within the next week or two, the league and the Players Association agree on, on everything format-wise. But I have a plan for how the 1920 campaign should go as well as 2021. I want to pick that apart with Penny as well as... Just all information and ideas that have been thrown out there, not just by the league, but also media members as well, because there's some really interesting ideas out there. Some of them I really, really don't like. And how is all this going to impact the magic? Let's go. All right, Penny, you ready to pick uh, pick my plan apart here for the return to action during COVID nineteen? Let's go. Okay, so my whole thing is not is not just the NBA salvaging this 2019-2020 season. It's about implementing fixes, changes, stuff that could actually end up improving the game, not just this season, but also 2021 and going forward. Uh, I mean, the NBA says it makes 40 percent of their revenue from in arena consumer attendance. That's still another 60% of revenue that they got to make or yeah. else that's going by the wayside. Some have pegged it at $900 million for the season. It's probably over a billion and, and beyond. And so this is why the NBA is coming back because they're realizing that COVID-19 is going to be around no matter what. And so that's why. And it's not just the NBA. It's every sports league across the globe, basically, that's deciding, like, okay, we got to come back. So my thinking is... The way the NBA can actually push it not, or can, can present this to their players, to their fans, is that we are actually putting our players in potentially a safer environment than what they got right now. Because you have guys like James Harden ATVing all across Houston. You have Terrence Ross bringing in like his tattoo guy from Delaware and hanging out for him, like whatever, probably without self-quarantining. So... There's been a lot of casualties. We're at over 100,000 in the U.S., but at the end of the day, money's going to talk, and these and the leagues are realizing that we got to salvage our business, our livelihood, because if we stop for a season or two, we may not get it back. So that's why they're coming back. And I think doing it this way where you're creating this single site at Disney World actually might be the way to go. Do you agree or disagree with with the one site Low, it, with the one site situation with Disney World. I, I agree with the one site plan for two reasons. One, right, for safety and resources. And two, also surprisingly, um, even though Florida is, uh, you know, not, I guess a little bit of a hot spot. Or, we or have a lot of Florida up. men around here yeah. as well. Um, but Central Florida specifically has been surprisingly low Great. in terms of uh, both, you know, infections and casualties and low. deaths. Yeah. So, um, and obviously, a lot of people listening to this podcast have a probably a good sense of of the layout of Disney and more specifically the wide world of sports complex. But I think nationally, it might be hard to fathom exactly what it looks like um, and just how great of a setup it is to basically quarantine an entire professional sports league away from the general population um, and still try to salvage a season, which, as you mentioned, is not only about about this season, right, but it's about uh, partnerships and revenues for years to come. Um, I'm not even sure, honestly, how I... Obviously, I want to watch basketball. Mm -hmm. Obviously, it's cool to have it uh, come back in, in Orlando. I'm not even sure how I feel about it on the whole yet, but I'm looking forward to digging into the plan further. 
Yeah, look, it's going to require just an extraordinary amount of resources, which Disney and the NBA can combine to provide. But you're going to need a lot of tests. You're going to need a lot of doctors. You're going to need just a lot of medical advice in general. You're going to need hazmat-level cleaning resources. Like, I don't know if you remember seeing Space Jam where, you know, they're in, like, the arena in Sacramento or L.A. or whatever, and you have the hazmat team, like, cleaning the whole arena because – they have this alien influence that's come in and taking the talent from the players' bodies. Here's a question for you, just as quick aside. Okay. Uh, I don't know if you read the athletic article from the Houston beat writer yesterday about players going back to their facility that said they're doing individual workouts, right, like everyone else is. Yeah. But if you dunk the ball during your workout, they stop the workout to disinfect the rim. Wow. Do you think that they will disinfect the rim in be- at each timeout? No, because... If you do this right and you handle – you do the self-quarantining, if, if you keep your bubble spick and spam, it's not going to be an issue. I don't think they're going to stop and do it. Now, I think they'll clean it after every half, maybe at the end of every quarter, or at least minimum after every game. Yeah. But, I mean, there's going to be a lot of cleaning, and it's going to require that a lot. And it's going to take – you know, they're going to have to take ideas from what's been going on in the Korean baseball organization. It's, they're going to have to take ideas from Bundesliga soccer-wise what's been going on where you see the players on the bench are separated by six feet. Now, I, the, I don't know how they're going to do that from an NBA aspect, but there's going to be some type of separation bench-wise. You're going to try and do everything you can to make sure guys aren't you know, within six feet of each other to just mitigate that risk as much as possible. And again, it's not going to be a perfect situation, but guess what? These guys that are at home now in their home markets or internationally or whatever, it's not necessarily a safer situation than if you put them in a bubble here at Disney. I think you can make this NBA campus, NBA Village. I'm pushing NBA Village because I like Olympic Villages. Right. But if you, push that, if you push that notion and if you implement that plan – you can make it to where it's not a hundred. It's not. It's not going to be a hundred percent safe, but it could. It's going to be. It can be as safe, or if not safer, than what's going on now, where you have everyone spread out and doing their thing right now. So I think that's a valid point, and um, you know, a lot of the NBA that's not in Los Angeles is going to be in the Northeast, and to get out of that environment, even if you're just, and obviously they can afford. Uh, grocery shopping to be done for them and everything else, right? But mm-hmm. even just day-to-day living in New York City compared to NBA basketball in a bubble in Florida, I, I think there's an argument to be made there um, that if not equitable, it, it might even be a, a safer environment here just based on um, limited <laughs> limited entertainment options uh, alone. Yeah, so let's just jump into my planner a little bit. So for this 2019-2020 campaign, I personally want all 30 NBA teams, you know, be, including players, coaches, trainers, security, NBA refs, TV staffers, arena staffers, anyone that's going to be in this NBA village, you got to get them to Disney World as soon as possible. Now, when I came up with this plan, it was get them in by the end of the day, Sunday, May 31st, which technically is feasible, but... Clearly, the NBA is not going to figure out what they want to do for at least another week, if not longer. And whatever they implement, it's not going to happen until probably July, if not, you know, no sooner than the end of June, basically. Yeah. But, and there's a whole bunch of things up in there, but my idea was fly everybody to Orlando, self-quarantine for 14 days, and then you can do the training camps. Whereas right now, at this moment, they got guys going to the practice facility, working out on their own, and then... Maybe they'll build up to some team practices before they actually end up going to Orlando. And I just think you're you're making this worse than it needs to be. I think if you get the quarantine out of the way at Disney where everyone's there, you can get everybody up to speed quick enough. Because depending on how on who you talk to or what you've heard, like training camps, they want them to be at least a minimum of three weeks. Yeah, and so. If you're going to put them through that long of a training camp anyway, it's almost kind of pointless to have these guys, you know, go through a prolonged period where they're in their separate markets and then you bring them in. Just do it all and get it out of the way. Um, so the way it's going to work with Walt Disney World, it's, it's freaking massive. People don't realize that the Walt Disney World property, it's about the size of San Francisco, right. which you and I have both been to. It's a big city. 
Walt Disney World is huge. Just driving down I-4 and seeing how many separate exits alone Disney World has on I- and on Interstate 4 gives you a picture of how big this place is. But, and it's the key thing to why Orlando and Walt Disney World is getting the NBA and MLS and maybe some other leagues as well to do events there. It's all private property. Whereas Las Vegas, you can have some guy on the street show up on the hotel and try and get in or whatever. Where, uh, and also, you don't have the casino and the strip club worries. Where Disney World, it's you're you're just at Disney World. Yeah, it's it's a much uh, sobering atmosphere, I would say, than what you get in Vegas. But the main thing is that it's private, and literally Disney World can close off access to everybody from anything that they want. Um, I saw something on Twitter where I, I I'm I'm sorry to whoever did the reporting on it, but they called up all the hotels at Disney World to try and get reservations in July. And it might have been June as well. But curiously, the one hotel he couldn't get a reservation on was Coronado Springs, which I looked it up. I Googled it. They have 1900, a little over, a little more than 1,900 hotel rooms at this one property. And if you divide it by 30 teams, it comes out to like 63 people, which is enough for players, coaches, train. Like it's, it doesn't, it's not enough for families right. yet necessarily. Essential team personnel. Yeah. And then... Yeah, the NBA is trying to figure out, do we bring back 30 teams? Do we bring back 24? Do we do 20, 16? And if you divide 1,915 divided by 20 NBA teams, then it's, you're up to like 95 people. So uh, it's it, you could feasibly do all this with one property, and then once you get into the playoffs and you get fewer teams, like you're down to eight teams or something, then you could actually bring in families if you really wanted to. But anyway... There's a whole lot of stuff at stake. So my plan, you know, again, Disney World works. Even though we're going to have, like, an active hurricane season, we might have to worry about hurricanes, it's it's good enough to where even if you have, like, a Cat 4 ready to hit Florida, like, Disney World's going to be fine. Like, it's, it's, it's literally in the dead center of the state. Right. And it would have to take, like, a ridiculously massive hurricane to really, like, stop this, basically. Um, I have it where... Look, I mean, training camps, I had them starting, obviously, up in, in June, where once you do, like, the 14-day quarantine, you can do your three weeks of training camp, and around the 4th of July is when you can pretty much start the regular season. Um, I would have it where you pick up where the season canceled, which was the March 11th fixtures, because then you had, like, a month left of the regular season to play. It went to, like, April 15th, I think, was the final day of the regular season, or would have yeah. been. Um, I mean, Disney's got two big facilities. Well, they have three buildings, two definitely basketball-specific, which is the HP Fieldhouse and the Visa Athletic Center at the Wide World of Sports. That's more than enough court space for practices, for games, uh, for workout areas. Like, you – it's it's huge. Wide World of Sports is huge. And that's not even including any of the outdoor space or outdoor fields that you have access to. I have it where the NBA should actually finish the entire 82-game season. However, knowing what we know now and how delayed this restart's going to be, it's it's going to be tough to do that. But, I mean, you're trying to limit as much of an asterisk as possible at the same tri- time trying to regain all of your money and all of your revenue from your TV contracts, from yeah. your regional sports networks, from your local sports networks. While at the same time, also, I think if you play the rest of the regular season, you get enough games where you know all the NBA players should be back up to speed shape-wise. You limit risk injuries where if you completely just jump into the playoffs, maybe you do like a tune-up game or two, then you really open the door to injuries happening when you're going to these super competitive NBA playoff games. Um, you, know, you look at how the regular season concluded because of the COVID-19 postponement, postponement some NBA teams played 63 games. Some NBA teams played 67 games. Everybody's in between. Yeah. So that puts you at like 15 to 19. And I actually think if you give them like five to six weeks to play those games, I think that you you get past all the risk as far as injuries go. I don't know what you're thinking because now there's all these ideas that if you do play regular season games, they're only going to do like up to 72 or 76 just to appease everybody's um, – you know, local regional sports network deals just to get make sure they get that money. Well, that's an interesting point that I had not thought about yet, to be honest with you, which is if we're playing on two courts, 
Mm-hmm. At most, there's two games going on at one time. And at most, how many games in a day? Four or five, probably. So 20 teams, let's say. Yeah. Will will they be aired on the regional networks, or will it just be split amongst NBA TV, ESPN, TNT, ABC, or will it be simulcast on the on the regional networks? Because they're not going to certainly they're not going to fly unless they call the games remotely. I think there's a way you can do both, and I think you can have it where the local broadcasts do it, and then if the national broadcasts want to pick up those games, they do them as well. And you can either have if you don't want to have the local broadcast call it as well on national TV, then whatever, that's fine. Then you have your, um, I don't know, your Marv Alberts, your um, uh, Kevin Harlins, whatever, call the games um, and, and do that as well. It's really all about, one, how much rest do you want to actually give these guys? Because for me, I, you can't have back-to-backs. you got to give these guys at least a day off in between each of these games. Plus, that gives you time to also space it out and... You know, again, you have that gap where some teams have played 63 games, some have played 67. Um, well, it's real interesting. Uh, I don't know what the right answer is. Well, no one we talks about it. Talking about it. Yeah, we everyone's talk about, gonna bitch and moan no matter what. Is there any reason to have the Golden State Warriors show up? Probably not. Right. I mean, except just to make your money. And I mean, look, Steph Curry's probably not going to play no matter what. Yeah. If, if you bring him back. How um, many games do the Trailblazers need to play for Lillard to step on the floor? Ten. Unless yeah. it's unless they go unless to a playoff play in, or, you know, right? So uh, they're real interesting questions to address, and obviously the the greater um, number of people that you bring into the bubble, the greater chance of uh, infecting the bubble too, right? Yeah, and I mean that's the biggest counter that people make when it comes to we really shouldn't play a finish out the regular season. We really shouldn't have thirty NBA teams. There's an option. I like the World Cup round-robin option. We'll get into it in a bit, but I actually do like that. Um, it makes pretty much everybody happy, uh, and we'll, we'll get into it in a bit. But uh, I have it where if you did, I timed it out where if you actually do play the regular season and you start in July or, or, or well, if you start in June, late June, you would be done by middle of August. So the longer you delay, you're pushing into like Labor Day and stuff. Right. And it sounds like the league wants to be completely done. Like NBA Finals has to be done before October 1st. That seems to be the thing they want to do. My other thing, too, with finishing this regular season and bringing all 30 NBA teams back is they're going to have to do this village thing for the 2020-2021 season. I'm pretty confident in it because it's, it's – Winter, uh, the, look, we don't, we're not scientists, but the science says and dictates that COVID-19 is a bigger issue in colder climates or in the winter. It's, it's going to be, whereas now we're dying in like 90 degree heat here in the summer. Viruses don't survive as long in this environment as it would in a winter type environment. And so what are you going to do? Are you going to have, are you going to literally, because you're going to, you're not going to have fans next season. I, I don't think so. Not again, until there's like a vaccine, it's really hard to think about bringing fans back in any capacity. Even if you fill like a fifth of the, of the arenas up, like that still sounds way too many people to me. Um, and so bringing in the 30 teams into Disney world now gets them one, it gets them all in shape and working out and playing, but two, it already gets them all acclimated to have to do this all again next season if they have to. And that's something that's not been factored in is because are you really going to fly these guys across country to play in their empty home arenas? I don't think so. And we'll talk a bit about how I want to do the 2021 season a little bit. But, um, I mean, that's, that's what I got for that when it comes to why you should bring back all 30 NBA teams. It doesn't sound like it's going that route, though, just because, again, that's the biggest issue is you want to bring in as few people as possible. And I, I understand that. Again, there's no correct answer. But from a long-term perspective, I, I, I would prefer having all 30 NBA teams there if, if again, if you have the resources to – keep the bubble and keep the testing as as great as possible i think it speaks to the relationship between the executives and the owners and the union 
um, that it seems like all 30 teams are willing to participate, right? Uh, there's no pushback. I use Golden State as an example because they're they, they remain a face of the league even with the worst record. Like Atlanta, you know, there's no yeah. Um, as compared to other sports and specifically baseball now, where there's a lot of strife um, coming down over economics and everything that. Um, at least there's collaboration between all parties involved that um, even if there's no right answer, that there will be an answer that appeases every group for the most part and they all work together to, to get something going again. Uh, from a Magic perspective, would you agree that if they played even a handful of regular season games that it's likely they hop the Brooklyn Nets for the seventh seed? I, I think that's what we all anticipated. And again, that no one's going to be totally happy, right? But it do, that would be my... Um, because Kevin one, Durant's right. not coming back, apparently. I, like, I don't think Kyrie Maybe would. Kyrie is yeah. either. Um, I, but you don't want to undermine the 60-plus game body of work that's already been completed, right? If we're counting those stats, then why are we going to throw away the records and go into a, like a World Cup group stage? Well, you know, we'll get into it a little bit, a little bit in a bit here. But I, uh, there's a way where actually the teams that would probably be the most angry are the top teams in the league and not necessarily the middle to bottom ones. So, I mean, again, when it comes to this, this single-site situation, you know, what if somebody tests positive? Look, people have been testing positive in a lot of the soccer leagues. It's, they're, they're, not stopping, uh, they're not stopping the whole leagues. They're, they're quarantining them for, you know, minimum a week. You should definitely probably do it for 14 days. But you ideally want to expand NBA rosters where the NBA teams can actually use their G League uh, rosters as well. Are some of their G League players, be it their two-way guys or whatnot. So you want to expand it from like 15 to 19 players probably so that if you get a few guys that test positive, you got enough healthy bodies on your roster you can keep going. And look, if you get a big-time star that tests positive, who knows? It's all up in the air. Like uh, Adam Silver might just be like, okay, the whole league stops for two weeks so that LeBron can heal up or something. like yeah. Something like that. But you got to go into this situation where – Look, if you have like only a, a handful of people here or there that test positive and you're, so, and you're quarantining them and nobody else is getting infected or exposed, I think you can do this. I really think you can proceed. If you get to a point where you have like more than four people on a team that test positive, the whole idea or the whole plan's failed and you really you just got to stop and you're probably done for the season. That's just where you're at. But the NBA's got to give it a go and they got to figure they, – they, I mean, they, they've got to salvage the, their money. That's what it comes down to is the money. And I that's that's what I'm thinking. And then as far as entry-exit policy, because I have one of those because I'm an HR guy, and, of course, I come up with something like that. But really, whoever is in needs to stay in the in the bubble. If You, you can't do this back and forth. Like, if you're going in, you're self-quarantined for the 14 days. If you go out, you can't come back in unless you're quarantined again for another 14 days. And that's going to be an issue maybe with families or just maybe, I don't know, but maybe players have, you know, if they have like pregnancies, you know, pregnant spouses or pregnant uh, significant others that they got to go visit or something like that gets tough. And there's a lot of sacrifices. There's going to be a lot of people unhappy. But again, your livelihood's on the line. You're making, you know, most of these people are making millions of dollars and when you have 40 million people that are unemployed in the U.S., None of them are probably going to be uh, feeling too bad if uh, you know if uh, you know these these players decide to not sit out and not collect paychecks. It's 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 a decision that I'm sure any one of them would very much happily like to take. But at the same time, again, it's that tricky balance between making the money and then staying healthy and trying to avoid uh, you know COVID nineteen exposure. Where, where do you think we draw the line on the bubble in terms of extended family? Um, so obviously Disney Springs has opened up. Yeah. By and the time that the NBA returns to business at Disney, the parks will be open, presumably. Yeah, they will be. So what if the families go to the parks during the day? No, that, and you can't do out? that. What if the players and coaches play a round of golf on their off day and then come back the next day? What's, where do we draw the line? Where does the NBA draw the line on what kind of exposure um, is, I guess, accepted and, and what is unallowable? 
Uh, you can't let them go to the parks. Like, like it does just defeats the purpose of it. So, a golf course can you get, can they can you reserve a golf course just for the NBA folks to to use? If you can do that, then yeah, you can play golf. That's fine. Um, I mean, this, these hotels they have pools, they have kind of like fun areas for families and stuff. Unless you can, unless you you. Unless you can somehow make it where only NBA players and their families can go to like Animal Kingdom and no one else can. So we're asking, let's let's say this, right? As part of the proposal, and I agree with you here. Yeah. That in order to collect the remaining balance of the paycheck that you're owed, you're signing on to more restrictions than are legally required of you by city, county, yeah, organizational restrictions yeah and look it's it's not easy it's messy there's gonna be people i'm sure we'll hear stories about people trying trying to break out of the bubble and you know i don't know i don't know where they'd want to go but (laughs) you know people just trying to break out and that's why you can't do this in vegas because that's going to be a big issue in vegas um but it's it's sacrifices everywhere for people and so you're saying it's not going to turn into a super bowl week or all-star weekend no it's not. I mean, I'm sure we're going to find some fun stories about just players hanging out at Back hotels page. and stuff. Um, gosh. <laughs> but I mean, people, they, the league and the Players Association just needs to go into this realizing that people are probably going to test positive. But guess what? That's happening anyway, no matter what, no matter where they're at. People are testing positive. We found out about all the NBA players that tested positive, you know, that, fir- that middle of March or whatever when people were getting tested and we were figuring out results, but we don't know how many have actually tested positive since then. We don't know how many of them have actually been tested and how many tested positive because those results don't need to be revealed to the public. They really don't. And so, again, this is a situation where this campus, this village can be better than what the NBA family is going through right now. Um, from a media journalist coverage perspective, I mean, that's that's all up in the air, but I could I, I could see a situation where if you're a single person, you're probably signing up for this campus thing because you got nothing better to do right now. And I mean, it, it's one of those where you're not going to have locker room access. I you're going to have like a huge plexiglass thing probably in front of you no matter what. Be it you watching court, you know, on court action, be it you trying to get an interview with a coach or a player. There's going to have to be some type of separation or divider the whole way yeah. to really do it. Um, and then again, the, for the TV broadcast games, this is the tough part because you're trying, you're gonna, ha- you're trying to put together some type of atmosphere that, look, it's not gonna be the same thing as having people in a building. So, I mean, you see what's been going on with the Bundesliga, like Borussia Mönchengladbach's uh, idea of fans paying for cutouts of themselves and putting them in the stands is actually a smart idea where you pay, I don't know, twenty, thirty bucks and. All that money goes to charity, and you have a cutout of yourself in there. Like the HP Fieldhouse at Wide World of Sports has 5,500 seats. If people paid like 36 bucks for a cutout, uh, and 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 you know all that went to charity, I mean you can make a decent amount of money there with that. Um, the toughest thing is how do you create home atmospheres for teams that are the home team or should have home court advantage. You can only do so much in such a limited way because I don't think these the, these Disney arenas have um, like a lot of LED stuff, so you can't like change the colors a bunch. But um, you can do it where you can have like their music that they would normally be played during a home game there. Um, you can have it where you can have fake crowd noise or fake chants. I think it actually works okay for what I've seen in in the in the Bundesliga for soccer wise. I think it works gets a little trickier for the NBA, but um, this this is a tough part because we know how coaches and players don't like being mic'd up because they curse like crazy, or they, you know they don't like having cameras in on the huddle, seeing what's being talked about or whatever. But you got to put that to the side, and you got to make your product uh, as as accessible as possible to the fans. And if fans get to actually see like plays and stuff or strategy like you're actually teaching them stuff i'm i'm curious again i echo your uh sentiments as to how to make a home court advantage exist i wonder how many game operations people will be included in the bubble you talk about 
Um, and just going back to Orlando Summer League, which obviously you've attended several years when they had yeah. it here, um, and, and Vegas too, where they're operating multiple sites, right? Mm-hmm. The, the Orlando Summer League, they're using the Orlando Magic Game Ops crew to run the clock and you know do the book and all that kind of thing. So how many sets of, of Game Ops crews do we have? They did talk about, I think they are going to do a PA announcer even for an empty arena for all of the games. Okay. But even more important than, than the in-arena um, game production is for the television partners, right? Yeah. Um, I don't know if you remember, I might have been Fox Sports 2, it could have been Fox Sports 1, but they had a contract with women's college basketball where they played the entire game with the coaches mic'd up. Oh, no, I didn't recall that, no. So they still had announcers on the game, but you were just hearing the coaches for, for the entirety of the game, during the game action, during the timeouts, etc. Obviously, they, they had the curse button going, you know. <laughs> um, but it, it drew, I you know, Six figures, which for Fox wow. Sports 1, Fox Sports 2, for That's women's really college for basketball, um, brought a lot more eyes to those games. Um, you're going to have to do something to bring the level of production up at least a couple of notch higher than typical summer league, right? I mean, yeah. after a day or two, and I understand that the betting will be a component too, which maybe we'll get into, maybe we won't, but... <laughs> But after a couple games, after a couple of full, full slates of the NBA being back, mm-hmm. if it's summer league quality where they're just trying to pump games through just like that, uh, I think people will get bored of the product. Yeah, that's – I mean, I personally loved being at Orlando Summer League because, well, part of it too is you were around like a lot access. of G- GMs and you had access to everything where this is completely different. So, look – most NBA film people, they know what plays the other coaches and teams are running. Well, so that's, that's an important part too, right? There's no secrecy in the NBA. Yeah. There might not be secrecy in any of the sports. Every coach steals from every coach. Every coach has worked for every coach. And the playbooks, quite honestly, are not that thick. So yeah. the, the, everyone knows everything that's coming. You're right about that. I think there's a way you can take a page out of FIBA and EuroLeague where you can, you can have – those cameras in during the huddles you can see what's being talked about and seen and it's look it's an open book for everybody everybody's going to see what everybody's doing and it's like if you're the best team you're going to be the best team you're going to figure it out so the other thing is i think you just need to add more cameras be it be it where you're more closer in the game where you don't have to worry about getting in front of people that are courtside that have courtside seats or something you could put a camera anywhere you want uh and you just need to make it to where the viewing experience, it's they're closer to the action, and it's just more appealing in that regard. From an audio perspective, you can put mics all around the arena. You don't have to mic up players or coaches. That's not an issue. You don't have any fans that you're going to get in the way of, yeah. so you can put them anywhere. I think you got to let the fans be able to hear everything. And if you got to put like a one-minute delay on the games for censorship purposes, that's fine, but you really got to do that. And then one of the things that I've noticed since like uh, German soccer came back is there's echo issues sometimes with these buildings, and I'm sure in a mostly empty arena that would probably be an issue. So you got to figure out that as well, just to make the acoustics sound a little better. But you've been in the HP Fieldhouse, right? It's pretty. Uh, I think once I've been in there, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty cavernous in terms of, uh, especially with no foot traffic anywhere and no bodies in the stands so i think that'll be interesting from an acoustic perspective for sure also i know you weren't a big fan but the the i think there was uh critical response was positive for profanity on the last dance series right so um if there's a i think i think fans would pay for unfiltered access i think fans would pay a premium if it's a additional league pass uh subscription model or whatever for even if the players and coaches are not mic'd up, as you mentioned, ambient sound, it, it'll come through regardless. And yeah. I think pan, fans would pay a premium for, for the unfiltered access, too. Yeah, no, I mean, that's that's definitely an option you can definitely go down. I mean, because, like, for the last dance, they would have the profanity one on ES, ESPN uh, you know, 1, and then ESPN 2 would be the censored version. You could also go that route with broadcasts where it's, like, one's cleaner, one's not. Um, but... Anyway, so from a playoff perspective, my idea is I think the league should go back to five-game first rounds. And so for my original idea, it was we're still doing the 16 teams, one through eight east, one through eight west. Um, But 
I'm still bitter that the Magic got screwed over in the 03 playoffs, which was the very first playoffs where they went from five games to seven. Right. If it was still five games, we would have beat the Pistons. <laughs> Instead, we ended up choking the 3-1 lead and losing 4-3. And I just feel like if you're going to do a standard playoffs, the first round's got to be shorter. Uh, it's Historically, fans don't like see, watching the first round. And so if you make that five games, it – Obviously, top, the top teams are not going to be happy because in a five-game play, you know, situation, the best team maybe doesn't necessarily win, uh, and from their viewpoint, anyway. So I think um, generally the NBA hopes to have LeBron versus somebody, right? Yeah. In the finals, do you believe that there's a push to game the system so that the Lakers or the Clippers will play? Giannis or that they'll sneak Zion into the play. Do you think that they're purposefully trying to recreate the system in order to push that agenda? I think yes, because they want to get Zion in the playoffs. They want to get Damian Lillard in the playoffs. Um, get the so all right, let's talk about it now. Because Kevin O'Connor wrote that article with the from the, for the Ringer where he's t- he brought up the uh, the twenty team. World Cups group stage kind of round robin thing right. where you have four groups of five teams, um, and or actually no, I got that reversed actually. No, yeah, I got it right. Four groups of five teams where you do one through four uh, is is one tier, five through eight is a tier. So you go down yeah. to where the top two teams from each of these groups moves on to what would be the you know second round of the playoffs basically. So if you have you know two team if you have f- five teams in one group then w- you know you would end up playing all these game you know all these other teams so you got eight games right there. So if you don't have any regular season games maybe you do like tune-up games. Technically if you do this group stage it appeases all the regional sports contracts that would be out there because you could have all the local uh, broadcasts show show these games, yeah. whether you do national simulcast or not. It's whatever. But um, I personally like it because I, I, I like soccer. I'm a soccer guy. Apparently Adam Silver is a big soccer guy, so shout out to him for that. But um, it opens the door for a group of death and – it adds kind of an element to where you could actually have an entire drawing show if you really want to get right. random and be like, okay, you draw from tier one, tier two. The magic would be in tier four or five. Actually, no, they'd be in five. They'd be, yeah, they'd be the worst. They'd be the 20th team or whatever. So, um, but you draw and then you bring in the other four NBA teams to make it 20 or sorry not 20 the magic would be 16th whatever I'm, I'm, I'm going a little too fast on this but um, four times five is 20 I gotta remember my math skills but there you go. the magic would be the 16th team so then 17 18 19 and 20 it's you get you, you get no other East teams because no one wants to see the Wizards or the Hornets or the Bulls plus Washington's the closest to the magic for the eight seed, and they're still five and a half games back. They right. don't deserve to be in there. Whereas on the west side, you have Portland, Sacramento, San Antonio, and New Orleans, very still in the hunt to chase down uh, Memphis for the eighth seed in the west. So if you put those teams in, you get Lillard in the playoffs, you get Zion in the playoffs, you get the, the Spurs keep their playoff streak alive, the Kings break their playoff drought of 18 years, I think it is, but since they've made the playoffs. Yeah. And so... You, you appease all parties, basically. There's no team that's out that's really got any type of say to bitch about not being in there. So I like that. And even if you don't do a random draw, you can make it where, like, Milwaukee, I think, is the best record in the NBA, I think. So they'd be the one seed out of that. So even if you don't do a random drawing from the tiers, you could have Milwaukee playing, you know, 8th, uh, what is it, 20th and 15th or something. Right. And I'm missing another team in there, probably like 11th or 12th or something in there. But you can have it where if you're the best team, you're going against the worst ones from the other tiers record-wise. Um, and it goes from there, basically. So you can have that. Uh, obviously, the team that's fourth or fifth would not be happy in that tier situation. But um, you can have it like that. 
or you can just do the drawing system where I personally like that. Again, no one's gonna no one's gonna like that. The teams that get screwed the most out of a World Cup situation are the top teams because instead of you know, especially Milwaukee on the east on the east portion, instead of having to go up against the Magic or Brooklyn or whatever, you're going up against them. But then also a couple other teams right. to where, yeah. if you're rusty, like Giannis Antetokounmpo apparently hasn't had access to a basketball hoop during this time. You know, he just became a dad. Like who knows how much he's been able to work out and stuff. So, I mean, you're gonna see teams at the top really push back. I think against this format. But if you're in the middle or towards the bottom, I'm all in on this. I, I would definitely do that. So I like that format. What do you think? Yeah, I, as you lay it out, right, it becomes more appealing in terms of the fairness to the teams that have already accomplished seeding. Um, and you do want to create some sort of buzz to uh, draw more eyes than a typical first-round matchup would. I think the, the purpose that you're – I think the, there's two – right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's two things you're trying to accomplish, which is one, people want to go, if they're going to have to pack up their lives and go to Orlando, it should be for a purpose and not for meaningless games or for a one-week period. Yeah. And then the second is to generate more excitement. So that kind of does both things, but uh, also people hold on to what they know, right? So I, mm-hmm. I think it's an uphill battle to, to make sweeping changes on the format too. Yeah, I mean, look, the biggest case is, look, it's, you're bringing in 20 teams instead of 30, and it's you. every game would really matter because if you get off, if you lose, like, your first two games in this group stage round robin, like, you got to kind of get it going or else you're going to be knocked, you're not going to finish top two in your group and you're going to be knocked out. Um I mean, tiebreaker incentives could be that, you know, the better team, if you're tied with a team, the better team with the regular season record advances or whatever. That's the easiest tiebreaker. But um, anyway, back to kind of my plan. So if we were to do where the five game first round and then you're playing seven game series the rest of the way, you're allowing like a full day off for rest pretty much. I have it where the NBA finals start at the start of October and finish in mid-October. Um, and, you know, if if you delay it to where you're not really playing basketball till July, that you're you're getting up to, up against November basically at that point. Right. So then, you can't really play a full NBA postseason if you're playing even more than like eight regular season games per per team. Yeah. So, um, then one of the, my one of my biggest things is flipping free agency in the draft. I personally think free agency should come before the NBA draft. You give it like a couple. You give it like free agency two weeks, and then you have the NBA draft, so that by then most of the main guys have signed or moved on or whatever, and teams know like, oh crap, I have a missing spot here at power forward. I should probably draft a power forward in the draft. Yeah. Do you agree that that should be switched? Yeah, I I agree that. Well, also there's so much uncertainty for the people like underclassmen in the draft this year too. I think that. There should be some trickle-down safety net for them, too. Well, so I also want to expand the draft from two rounds to three rounds because there's actually a lot of people in this draft. There's, a lot, there's, there's I think, over 100 names in this draft for, for certain. And the other thing, too, is I didn't mention any NCAA stuff because I, you can't rely on the NCAA for everything, but you get, I feel like there's got to be an, a, a stipulation where if a guy declares early, there's still a way he can come back to school if like he doesn't get drafted or something. I, I or, think, too, you make a good point regarding the expansion of rosters because as professional sports work their way back, I would imagine that minor league sports would be well behind that curve. Um, And even though there's a lot of support for the G League directly from the NBA, right, it's technically one entity, I guess, I don't think it's going to be economically viable for any of those teams to operate in the next year in the same way that it's not economically viable for them to operate under normal circumstances. So I wouldn't be surprised if there were no operating minor league teams next season. Yeah, I don't Um, see it. I really don't. So carrying the top half of those G League rosters on the NBA roster for practice time flexibility, player development, um, injury and illness recall, like I I think that there's going to be some sort of um, melding or meshing of the major league and minor league rosters, I think, for at least the next year moving forward. Yeah, and look, it's... 
again, there's going to be some tough decisions. Some they may not even be thinking about right now that are pop up real quick in the next few months. But um, the other, so the NBA, it looks like for the 2021 season, there the NBA is looking at starting it in December. I in my plan, I have it where they would. You know, they would have like a, a training camp like the end of November or whatever and like a couple weeks to get into the flow of things. Um, I, You can do exhibition games or preseason games. You cannot, whatever, if you want to just call them scrimmages, whatever, you can do that as well. But um, I would have the season start the week before Christmas instead of on Christmas uh, just so that you can get at least these guys playing a few games before they're playing the big-time Christmas games. Yeah. Um, just as a whole, moving forward, do you actually prefer the NBA season start in December instead of October or September or whatever? I Honestly, I like it where it is because I don't have conflict with football, but I think that, that they're trying to generate the most eyeballs possible, and obviously the collective national focus is going to be on the gridiron until January, generally. So, yeah, that's why I think having the season start in December or even January, it's, I, I think that's actually not a, that's actually a good move going forward for the NBA. Now, depends on how long you want to make the season because in my plan, I think the NBA should, go da- should experiment with going down to 66-game regular season instead of 82. I think 82 is just way too long nowadays. Um, 66, you hit kind of a sweet spot where – I have it where for in-division games, um, you you play four teams four times, and then the rest of the in-conference games, you have ten teams meeting two, uh, two times, and then out-of-conference games, it's 15 teams meeting twice. That's your 66 games. Um, I don't know. Do you think do you think the the league should shorten it to sixty six? Be temporarily because yeah. of COVID nineteen, or in the future? I, or temporarily, whatever? at least for sure. I you know we, I think we'll get in further into the uh, what what the schedule will look like with additional tweaks and possible some mid season things. We talk about a sixty six game season for next year. I think we both agree that going home city to home city is probably off the table. Yeah, it's it's crazy that right now at this point, in my mind. Do you think that they should do a three-site bubble for next year with Las Vegas, Houston, and Orlando and group by geography and rotate the sets of teams to different sites I mean, in order to generate some sort of revenue? I mean, it's still a lot of moving around, though. That's the thing. It's I feel like you got to do the one-site thing again. You're bubbling them again another year. It's... I mean, it's tough. I mean, because yeah. when 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 I have it where the season would where the finals end, it's like October. Right. You get may, like a month and a half off basically before you're back to training. But that's that's gonna that, it's gonna be like that anyway, no matter what idea they come with. Like yeah. they're playing games in December, January, if 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 they're doing this or right. not. And so, you know, I have it where there's not going to be an All Star game in 2021 because it's. You know, it's an all-star game. It's an exhibition game. As fun as it was seeing them do the Elam rule and everything, like it was, that all-star game was awesome. But it's an exhibition. It defeats the purpose of when you don't have fans being able yeah. to attend and whatnot. Yep, I agree. Um, you know, and so I would have it where it's sixty-six games. I have it where even if you do like the rest, if you rest them like a decent amount, I have it where the season starts or the season concludes, like the NBA Finals concludes, like end of June, early July. And then you're pushing into the 2021 Tokyo Olympics like immediately that late July, early August. So the NBA, it's again, there's a lot of tough decisions because if you want to do 82 games, if you're starting in late December, you're really cutting down on the rest. Like you're putting in a lot of back to backs again. You're going back to, you know, you're going against the medical advice or what the trainers have, have preferred at, at during that time yeah. when you when you do that. That's why, like, the 66 games, you can at least space it out and be done in, like, a decent, timely manner at that point. So that's my thought on that. Um, I also, for 2021, think you could do a 30-team midseason cup tournament. So, again, all 30 teams would participate. Uh I, you can have it where you can have games played with the Elam ending rules implemented because they work so well for the All-Star game. Why not do it for a brand-new tournament? I would call it the Stern Cup. Um, each And my idea came about before uh, Kevin O'Connor wrote his article, but I had it where each team plays four group stage games 
groups are created ping pong ball style or group drawing stage style, however you want to call it, like they do for major FIBA or uh, you know soccer tournaments. And you can have a TV show, you can have a drawing TV show, and you know there's there's situations where the top two teams from each five team group. So I have it where it's five group. Well, no, yeah. I have it where it's the exact playoff yeah. situation right yeah. now with the World Cup, where it's four groups of five teams, top two teams from each group automatically advance to, in this case, I have it as a Sweet 16 knockout stage. So, again, so then you have 12 teams plus the four teams with the best third-place group stage finish. So I have it a little different where yeah. it's it's a little spread out. And then you can have point you know, plus-minus point differentials, the tiebreaker, but... I like a midseason tournament. Now this gets a little tricky because if you if you're dealing with the COVID nineteen stuff, they may not want to have this on top of it. But do you like the notion of a midseason tournament if the NBA season gets cut down from eighty two games? Well, it's the perfect opportunity to implement one to try and claw back additional revenue. So from a financial perspective, yes. And again, if everything in the world is still upside down and we're not operating the league normally on home floors, et cetera perfect time to implement it where you're going to get less pushback from people trying something new and also again it's it's something new right so there's more of an excitement to draw people in to check it out yeah and again this is for you know it's the david stern uh, cup trophy but the other prize i i just threw it in there but just give 15 million dollars to the winners you know how you have the basketball tournament that's going right. from they're going from a million to now two million this yeah. summer i believe so just do 15 million for the whole for the winning roster, uh, that's a pretty big incentive. Even if you're making like, you know, twenty million that season or something, an extra million, that's pretty good right there. Yeah, that's not bad. So I, I think there's a way to do it. Um, I'm going to attach the link for for my plan on on the site, but I do want to go over just some of the options that have been laid out by the NBA and the media itself. Obviously, option one is cancel the season, wait to start a new season in December or January. We've already said this is a problem because COVID-19 is still going to be around. And if you stop the season more than once, twice, then you're really risking the viability of your business moving forward. Yeah. Um, and then I just – we already talked about waiting this for, till late July to start games. You're, you're really pushing things where you're limiting yourself on what you can actually do um, from a tune-up game perspective – you're really going to have to do just some crazy things either with the playoffs or you're only going to be able to play like a scrimmage game or two and then hop in the playoffs and then you're risking injury there. So uh, the sooner you get these guys quarantined in Disney, the better um, instead of having this home workout type of regiment that they're doing right now. Um, so here's the, the other thing is only playing a few regular season games to get to 70, 72, or 76 total I'm not a fan of that, I'm, and I'm, but I'm also not a fan of doing just a few tune-up games to where you go straight in the playoffs because, there's that again, there's that gap where some teams have played 63 games, some have played 67. Can, can you create an NBA schedule that's fair enough to where you can play a few regular season games and be fine with that? I don't, I don't know. I'm not a fan of that. I right. just You, you either got to finish the whole regular season or – you're jumping into this World Cup playoff format, I think. That's kind of my thing, my thinking with that. I don't know if, I don't know. Do you, would you prefer a, a short, a, a shortened regular season to, as opposed to them either completing the regular season or just hopping in the playoffs? I mean, what do you think on that? I, I think that there should be some sort of run up before you get into any kind of meaningful. Well, it's all meaningful now, but. Any kind of meaningful postseason basketball, I think, in fairness to everybody involved, there should be some sort of runway to get there. Uh, we both agree that even if like five games were played, the Magic probably benefit from this from a playoff perspective. They they probably hop. I can't see half how they. I can't see how they wouldn't. Of course, you don't know how any of the teams are going to come back in terms of rust and and chemistry right but so my other thing too is would we agree that the magic might actually be in a good situation coming back where because they don't rely so much on threes that they would um that they would actually play better against say a milwaukee or toronto that relies more on threes i think it's a distinct possibility i find it interesting too that 
Um, pretty much every single NBA player has played extensively at Disney World growing up now that the AAU tournaments have run through there nationally oh, that's for true. every year. Yeah, I didn't think about so that. So I wonder if there's going to be a little less pushback on the setup because they've they've done it before. They've played there multiple games a day over multiple tournament weekends over multiple years. Um, maybe there's a little nostalgia involved for them too that everyone clicks into um, better form. <laughs> So I think you and I have already agreed that you can't do multiple sites. Like you can't do like just the East plays in Orlando and the West plays in Vegas. Like you got to do it in one site, right? I yeah. And then another idea that I saw get floated out was playing games outside. <laughs> so that's a big no for me. Uh, wind becomes a factor. If you play outside in Orlando and Las Vegas, everyone's going to be miserable in the heat. Heat stroke becomes a factor. Um, that's a big. That, that that's going to be a no for me, dog. That's <laughs> that's that's how that works. Uh, having a playoff play-in tournament for teams seeded either 7 through 12 or 7 through 10 per conference so the bad teams don't have to show up. First off, I hate the play-in tournament idea because that screws the 7th and 8th seeds entirely. Right. Okay? You've had the Magic that have dealt with injuries all year. You've had Brooklyn that's dealt with injuries a lot of the season. You've had Well, all season because they don't have Duran and Kyrie's been out, although they kind of do play a little bit better without Kyrie sometimes. But... Um, and then on the other side, I mean, you got you know Memphis that has been just phenomenal with what they've had this season. Like they shouldn't, they, they need, they should be in the playoffs. And then Dallas, Luka Doncic, I think, still in Europe right now. So like, who knows what what as, how as he'll be? Porzingis too. Yeah. So it's I I, I just don't a playing tournament screws those seventh and eighth teams, and I'm I'm heavily against it. Again, I much prefer the World Cup group stage format as opposed to that. Um, and then. Gosh, it's kind of tough because – so when it comes to the seedings, so let's say they do like a playoffs where it's 1 through 16. Do you prefer East versus West or do you prefer no conference 1 through 16 seedings? Either way, the Magic play the Bucks, no matter what right now. So it doesn't affect the Magic, but do you have a preference on it? Would you prefer keeping it the East-West seedings? I still prefer East and West for this year. Um, Same. Again, you don't want to take away the body of work for anybody. And if they want to play with formats moving, I guess it makes sense, right? Because they're all in one spot for travel now. But I, I think the travel excuse is kind of bullshit anyway. Yeah. And then I guess my, my last question for be, for you would be, which two options, if you had to pick, would you prefer for the NBA to return? Mine is finish out – my number one is still finish out the 82-game regular season and then do the normal East-West one, you know, playoffs one, you know, 16-team playoffs. And then my backup option is, because time seems like it's going to be an issue, I like doing the World Cup format because those 20 teams are guaranteed to play minimum eight games. Um, it sounds like, depending on who you talk to, the whole regional local sports contract th- situation with the revenue may be a little bit blown out, blown out of proportion. Mark Cuban thinks it's a big deal. So uh, if maybe there's a way that you can chop up the national revenue to hand to the bottom 10 teams maybe as a here sorry you can't participate in this but here's some money to shut up um and make up for it yeah. so but i i like in a shortened timeline situation i like the world cup format because one way or another there's going to be an asterisk on this season people are going to bitch and moan about right. it i mean you look at the short lock, the the you know the fifty game lockout season ninety nine like Phil Jackson immediately gave the Spurs shit for it and so no either way somebody's gonna get screwed over somebody's gonna be unhappy but those are my top two options do you have different top two like what what are your preferences I, well logistically what else is feasible right I, my preference would be to finish some semblance of a regular regular season mm-hmm. I don't know if eighty two is feasible so let's say you drop it to seventy five and again that goes back to why are we bringing out these teams just to play fodder for other teams just well, to pump games in? Again, though, the, 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 the argument for me on that is they've got to get used to this situation. Right. Uh, because, again, they're probably going to be in this situation again next season. And it appeases their contracts because NBA players get paid off regular season games that they play. The playoff stuff, it's, it's bonus after that. It's, right. So there's that factored in. Um, but yeah, continue. I do think over the course of the last hour, I have uh, 
softened up on the World Cup group stage type thing. Talk you into it, yeah. Yeah, so uh, I think that creates a little bit of a buzz. Everyone gets some meaningful games, and then it's only the 20 teams that really have a legitimate playoff um, to, you know, being yeah. legitimately in the playoff conversation yeah. that show up. Um, and then you're not bringing needless people here. So that's right. probably what I would lean towards now. All right. So, yeah, the link to my plan is going to be posted with the podcast. But that's all I got to say on the topic. Again, talking over some of the plans, there's not going to be a perfect situation. But I think Penny and I have explain kind of what we prefer and uh maybe the nba will listen we'll find out but we appreciate we appreciate listening to another episode please subscribe and give us a wonderful rating tweet us any of your questions and feedback penny what's your twitter handle at spencer strode and i'm at papa giorgio mbo with that go magic take care just win get out the way get out the way get out the way